Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. gonna be all sunshine and roses but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Meet Us at Molly's. This is episode 77. We are officially two weeks out from the season. Two weeks! I know, crazy. So great. So as always, I'm Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. We have a special guest with us tonight. Um, You hear us refer to our friends Tamar and Christine over at the Shipping Room podcast quite a bit. We love them so, so very much. And we wanted to have Tamar on forever. And she's finally joining us tonight. Hello, Tamar. Hi. (laughs) Hi, friend. Hello. That was such a nice introduction. Tamar's the best. She really is, though. She's the best. We okay. have total girl crushes on her. But yes, so <laughs> so tonight we are going to cover ships. We're just going to kind of deep dive into every single relationship in the One Chicago universe. Now, before we do this, however, we have news and we have news. There's so much this week. Obviously, we had One Chicago Day on Monday. Even before that, I think uh, Jesse Lee Soffer was in New York, and then Taylor Kinney and Miranda Ray Mayo. Yeah, they were doing a press day in New York too, and it was and just Brian T news. was too. Yeah, was he okay? Yeah, and yeah. So there was just news flying from every single direction. Now our text messages were mostly us like sending us pictures back and forth and being like, "They look so good," but there was a lot of news to talk about. So, Brina, let's talk about the first piece of news that we got. Yeah, so Access Hollywood reported that Jack Coleman is returning to BD. And if you don't know who that was, that is Disco Bob, a.k.a. Ruzik's father. And he's apparently coming back in episode five. Um, Apparently in this episode, Intelligence is going to work a case. And the younger Ruzik is surprised when his dad is somehow mixed up with things complicating an already problematic situation. My first thought, though, was, like, we're not out here trying to kill off Disco Bob, too, are we? Like, we don't need parents <laughs> don't coming and then show... I don't worried about that. I mean, I hope not, but you never know. Yeah, yeah. Tamara, have you heard the scoop about the crossover coming up? I haven't. Tell me. Jay and Will's father might be dying. We don't know. Okay. There's He's definitely involved. We know that. He's involved. Yes. Yes. Is it just a med PD crossover or is fire in there too? It's It's all all three. All three. Okay. The second week they come back. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's going to be a fun one. I don't think we have to worry about Disco Bob dying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Don't don't jinx it. I mean, I won't jinx it, but, you know, just throwing that out there. Let's not try to kill two parents in like three weeks somewhere in the universe a pd writer is sitting there like challenge accepted (laughs) shouldn't tempt fate but yes i'm excited to see him come back i like disco bob yeah we haven't seen him in a long time we haven't no and he's got history with voight too so it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about all the fallout from season five well and if voight's even around at that point true story true story So yeah, that is one piece of news. 
we also got promo photos because it's that time of year. It's like Christmas. But yes, we got promo photos for episode one of all three shows. So 701, 601, 401, all of them. Um, PD probably had the most notable ones, obviously, because we're dealing with a ton of fallout from that finale. There's pictures from the case and everything, and we do see Anne Heche's new character talking to Antonio. The biggest thing, however, is at the end of the pictures when everybody's in their dress blues and they're carrying Al's casket. Yeah. Just right in the heart. Oh, and then there's like Voight saluting Al from like behind this wall with like a bruise on his face. And he's like clearly not at the funeral because he's like behind this wall that I don't even know where that is, but he's behind some wall, but he's like in his dress blues, but he's not in jail. Like it's very confusing, but I have a lot. I mean, I don't know. I have so many theories, but I, nobody knows. It's crazy. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Like where did those bruises come from? What is that wall? What's the significance? Why is he not there? Right, right. But yeah. yeah, and all um, all of the members are of intelligence. They're they're pallbearers for Al's casket, so that's just gonna hit us in the heart. Indeed, yes. We also got med promo photos, and basically we get to see the new chief of trauma. Um, he's in some of them, and I think there's a shot of Colin looking super broody with like his his beard game is like on point for season four. Somebody pointed that out on Twitter the other day, so I feel okay mentioning I that. Like, I like a good beard, I really do. He's got a great yeah, beard they, going on. Yeah, he does. He does, and I'm not usually a beard girl, but <laughs> it's it's looking good on Colin. It yeah. But that's, like, the only notable thing. I mean, there was nothing really that notable in med or fires. Like, it was kind of just all about the case for those promo photos, whereas, like, PD's was, like, everything notable, like, under the sun. Yeah. So that's one. Uh, we also got one of those picture galleries from E! Online where they're like, you know, here's the scoop on, like, 40 of your favorite returning shows. And they covered all three. So, Brianna, do you want to take us through this one? Yeah. Um, the fire scoop wasn't totally, I mean, there wasn't a lot revealed. It's more in the picture that, like, a lot was revealed. Um, but the fire description was, in the season seven premiere, Casey tries to get his personal life in order as the firehouse welcomes a new team member. Meanwhile, Bowden clashes with the new assistant deputy commissioner. Then, in the three-part Chicago crossover, the firehouse must deal with an out-of-control blaze at a 15-story apartment complex, and somebody might not make it out alive. Okay, we all kind of, if you've been, like, paying attention to, like, articles and stuff from the past couple weeks, it's not a lot of new stuff, but the picture, though, pay close attention, the injured firefighter is revealed, and it, we're 99% sure it's Stella, and we're kind of shook. So shook. I'm still, like, digesting the news, yeah, because the picture that they posted, it's, like, She's laying there, Brett and I want to call her Annie, Brett and Emily, the new paramedic, you know, they're there. And Severide's worried face is in full swing. And I'm still just like digesting that, like, oh my God, they're going to hurt poor Stella. Yeah. But again, maybe the moral, what? Again. Well, I see she, she like just avoided injury last time because she was shot when Otis was shot, but her radio took it. Yeah. But like. That's still traumatic. 
No, I, I agree with you. It's traumatic for me, and I'm not even on the damn show. Like, I'm a real person, and these are fictional people, and it's dramatic for me. But, yeah, so that's going to be brutal. And, yes, yeah. Th- those promo photos, I'm not ready. I, like, I don't want them. I'm like, I-, I want them, but I don't want them. But I feel like, I don't know if this is your experience, but I feel like a lot of times promo photos maybe lead you in a direction and then like the episode airs and you're like oh that wasn't what I thought was gonna happen we don't really have it go ahead no do you feel like you are typically on point with what you assume is gonna happen based off of the promo photos not so much but you know what we do have that problem with is previews because the um the network cuts the previews like the promos before Mm -hmm. the next episode and not the people behind the show. So 99.9% of the time, we'll see a promo and be like, that looks crazy. And it won't be what happened. It'll be something completely ridiculous. Right. So that happens a lot. With promo photos, I don't think I've ever really thought about it. It's just, I think we kind of digest it from a point of like, oh, they're on a call. Or like, oh, why does Bowden's face look like that? But I don't know if it's ever misled us, Bryna. Do you think it has? Uh, I don't think so. I'm just, well, and again, I don't think we put that much stock in them. It's more mm-hmm. just like, oh, well, at some point this is going to happen. I don't think we right. put in it like, I don't think we try to like build ideas around like being like, this is okay. going to be the entire episode rather than more like, oh, well, at least we know that like, this is where this scene, like at some point this is going to be a scene that happens. Whereas like, yeah, yeah, like I feel like with previews, it's very easy to be like, well, this is going to be the entire episode and it's really just like one scene that didn't actually matter in the end. So right. I feel like with previews, it's a little bit easier to be like misled. Yeah. And I know something we love to do and tomorrow tell us if you do this too, but we love to play the speculation game. So mm. if there's a picture that we're like, what the hell is happening here? We love to just throw theories around and, yeah, you know, piece things together. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't do that so much. But the truth of the matter is I I actually prefer, like, not to be spoiled about things. Like, e- even, like, when I'm wrong. Like, I just like to go into something with, like, no preconceived notions about what's going to happen. Um, and sometimes, sometimes I, like, have a hunch on something and it's right. But I actually kind of try from week to week not to think about too much because I just want to – let the story unfold in its own time. Right, right. And it's funny that you say, you know, you don't like to be spoiled. I don't like to be spoiled either, but when things like this are happening with, you know, if it's basically, if the member of the firehouse or a member of intelligence or something, I want to know ahead of time just so I can be mentally ready. But like with Papa Halstead, I don't want to know if he lives or dies. Like, let me find out when I watch it. But tell me that Stella's going to get hurt so that I can kind of prep for it. Right. And it's so interesting, too, like, depending on how plugged in you are with Twitter and with, you know, showrunner accounts or crew member accounts, you know, I'm I'm pretty plugged in to, you know, TV line on Twitter or accounts like that. And so I see information like this actor's coming back or this actor's leaving. And the byproduct of that is just sort of knowing that a character's not coming back if you know the actor's leaving. And I don't even consider that a spoiler, really, because it's just sort of news. But I will then say something to one of my sisters or a friend about how so-and-so is not coming back. And they get so upset because it's like they didn't want to know that until the season started and they found it out. 
And so spoilers are just fascinating to me because I think people consider different things to be to be like off limits in terms of what you can talk about and everyone's just pretty sensitive. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting too because I think about it with like the batch like the bachelor and all that stuff with like I know a bunch of people who read spoilers, myself included sometimes, but they still will watch the show just because they're just because you know what happens doesn't mean you still can't find enjoyment out of whatever's being told and what like what's unfolding on your screen. Like right. I like sometimes especially if I'm watching an older show, like I'll I will end up spoiling myself just cuz I can't help it. But, like, I still find, you know, the story fascinating and the writing fascinating and the character development fascinating. And just because I know it's going to happen doesn't mean I don't enjoy what is happening on my screen right. either. Right. So, yeah, right. spoilers are really interesting. Yeah. Indeed. Um, we also got a med scoop from E! Online. Bryna, do you want to kind of take us through the rest of the E! Online stuff? Yeah. So... Basically, it was an episode description for the crossover, which I'll go ahead and read. Um, Basically, Med is going to be the second part of the three-part crossover. Um, And basically, it says, The doctors and nurses of Chicago Med find themselves on high alert when an overflow of patients are rushed into the doors following a terrifying apartment complex blaze. Dr. Rode fights to save the life of one of Chicago Fire's own, while Dr. Halstead and his brother Jay struggle with their own personal battle, which we all know it has to do with their father. So, yeah, nothing too crazy. And then for PD, again, everything we already know, plus the only, I'd say, new thing that was in their description was later in the season, Voight and Platt um, are apparently going to try to exonerate Olinsky. Every bit of Olenski things or stuff, it's just going to make me so emotional all season. I'm just going to be, like, super sad. It really sucks. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Do yeah, you know, you have did to, like, that, do you know, I mean, did that come about, was that an actor decision? Like, he decided to leave? Or was that that the show decided to write him out? The show decided to write him out because they mm-hmm. looked at it as, you know, Voight had a price to pay for covering up this murder and for not coming forward. And so the cost of this had to be that he lost his best friend. And I think they got into the point with Al that they, it was one of those situations where they apparently, I guess, didn't feel that they hadn't, you know, anything to write for him anymore. Like they'd kind of run out of story. So they just decided to use him in the Voight story and then eliminate him, which kind of sucks. But I mean, we could have seen it coming. I mean, Al hasn't gotten a real story, I'd say, since Lexi died, which is, like, a season and a half ago. Right. So, yeah. Poor Meredith. Lost her husband and her daughter. I know. It's a damn shame. Mm. Horrible. Just it's so horrible. Yeah, so horrible. Um, yeah, and so we got the scoops from E! Online. And then one Chicago Day happened. Yeah. Uh, this was Monday. It's the, before the season this year. Go figure. It's never this early. It's always in October, but they did it super early this year, but we're not complaining. Okay, some of the highlights from One Chicago Day. Did we learn anything new, Bryna? Do you remember? We haven't really learned anything yet. Like, only one article has come out from One Chicago Day, which is kind of weird. Correct. But, so, I mean, no, just because we literally haven't learned anything yet. Yeah, I don't think there was a lot of new stuff that came out. Um, I'm trying to think. Mostly, I mean, we spent that whole day just sending each other pictures, 
was about it. Um, Tori and Nick were being adorable together, taking goofy pictures, goofing off. Marlon and Miranda did a Q&A together. That was great. Need more Stella and Maggie, please. Yeah, that was fantastic. Seriously. I like the crossover element of the whole One Chicago Day this year, how they had, you know, Nick take over Fire Story and then Christian took over PD Story. And that was cool. They're really going for it. Like, they're really pushing this, like, one family, one night, like, crossover promotional thing. Like, NBC's really going for it. I like it, though. I know, I like it. I'm just saying, like, it's a lot. Like, they're really going for it. Like you said, because everything was integrated into One Chicago Day. And it's never integrated that well into One Chicago Day. Well, it's very smart because they are trying to get ratings for all three shows to kind of even out so that if you're watching yeah. one of them you kind of feel like obligated to watch the other two it makes sense yeah no it does and I, I'll I'll be curious to see how much besides like crossover episodes like how much it plays a role in the storytelling like if we'll see yeah. an increase in the way that characters show up beyond just like oh well we need a medic on you know fire for whatever or pd whatever for whatever reason it's tough, though, because you don't want to make it impossible for people to watch one and not the others right. and know what's going right. on. And I know it's hard from a production standpoint, too, to have, you know, so-and-so from PD show up on fire because we're going to talk about it later. But, like, with Antonio and Brett, like, that is the whole reason that they have their storyline so messed up is because of production. But, so, yeah, I know it's hard, but I'll be curious to see if it has, like, if we see a bump in it in any way. But Yeah. 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 That would be interesting. So another bit of news we got. This was from TV Fanatic. This one, <laughs> this one came down, and we just got to talk about it. So the the headline here was twenty five TV couples that never should have happened. Okay, Stellarite is on it, and all I have to say about this is how dare they? <laughs> I agreed with a lot of the ships on this list. I don't know tomorrow if you got the chance to look at this. Mm-hmm. I agreed with a good amount of the ships on this list, but then they got to Stellar Ride and I was like, how dare you? Could not be more wrong. I don't know if you guys agree. What do you think? I don't know if they should have never. I mean, like, I mean, we, if you listen to this podcast, like, you know that it took me a really long time for me, like, to come around to them. But I don't, even if I, like, had never come around to them, I don't know if I would say they should have never happened. I don't, I mean, so I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's really uh, hard to say. I wouldn't put them on there yet. Like, they still, for me, hold a lot of potential. <laughs> I loved them as friends. I really, really loved their friendship. So if their romantic relationship ultimately ruins their friendship, then I would maybe say in a year or two they never should have gotten together because the friendship that they had was worth was worth uh, saving. But right now, like they may they may turn out to be like the greatest romantic relationship that Chicago Fires had. So it just seems early for me for them to be saying that they still are in a really good place. They like. I don't feel like they've fizzled. I don't feel like they've they've become less interesting yet, but I, I guess they could. And if and when they do, 
then it might be then they might be worth making it onto a list like this because their friendship really was really special. Right. Right. Yeah, I think the cap their reasoning behind it and the caption was what just kind of got me. And I was like, really, that's what you're going to go off of. So basically, the end of the caption just says, you know, should they have fizzled out completely after that season five hookup? Did you even see season six? I mean, their slow burn was frustrating and really annoying. I will give you that. But the payoff was worth it in the end. Yeah. And I actually I actually didn't find her slow burn so annoying. Like, sometimes I do, but I I actually thought, I mean, it took a little bit longer but I, than, than it needed to maybe, but I like a good slow burn, and I really liked the way their relationship built, and I liked that Kelly had his feelings for what's-her-face that passed away to deal with, and... Um, and that, like, they didn't ignore that or just sort of brush past it, but that he really was given the time to grieve and, and feel that. And I don't know. I I think it's a very strange timing to put them on this list, personally. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. I think the slow burn was necessary just because it's Kelly. I think if this was any other relationship, I'd say maybe it was a little too long of a slow burn. But like you said, Tamar, like, he had so much to work through and he's always so quick to jump into relationships that I think it was almost necessary. And it was why I knew that this was like a good, like, so- or as of now, is like a good, solid, like, real relationship because it took him so long and they actually, like, needed to figure it out whether it was they were what they were feeling was more than just friendship. And mm-hmm. it ended up being what it was. So for if it was anyone other than Kelly, I'd say, like, yeah, that slow burn was too long. But for Kelly, I think it was the amount, right amount of time. Totally. Yeah. Brenda, do you want to take us through the next piece? Yeah, so now that Fall TV is coming back, there's a lot of lists about, you know, what you should be watching, what new shows you should be watching, like all those kinds of things. Um, TV Guide did a list recently about their 100 best shows. And Fire made the list, and their reasoning was, you know, Fire offers a dose of optimism that we need during time of political and social upheaval. Viewers can find comfort in these relatable heroes who somehow overcome seemingly impossible odds day in and day out. It might just be a network drama and a procedural, but it's a well-written one that offers a refreshing take on a stale genre. You know, it's not just a great show. It's one of the best shows out there. Hmm. It's a good description. I like that. Yeah. Although, why does everyone insist on shitting on network TV? I hate that. Network TV is really good. Um, I think probably, and I, I don't think it's necessary, and I think there is a lot of good network TV, but I think probably it comes from the fact that network TV is the most limited, and with with cable and premium channels and streaming – there's just a lot more freedom in a lot of other places, and I think critics probably find that often they enjoy the freedom of those other options more than network TV, which is so carefully curated by like people in suits. However, there is a lot of good network TV out there, so it's kind of silly to, to go into it that way, but I think that's why. Yeah. 
that's that's a really good point. I mean, I when I think about the things that I watch, I think it's primarily just it's network and occasionally streaming, but it's mostly network shows that I'm streaming. So I can name maybe one cable show that I watch right now. And even then, I've kind of given up on it. So network is underrated, I think. Yeah, I yeah, think it's I also think just true. I think it's just what people, you know, cable and streaming is so new and so people are so into that because it's new and it's pretty and it's shiny and you know like you said there's like it's not limited whereas like network just feels old to a lot of people and so they're kind of like putting it to the wayside which is unfortunate because there is a lot of good network television out there still but yeah so but yeah i think that's a really good description for fire the i think the family element is what gets me about all three shows because i read that and i was like "Ooh!" i was like why why am i so passionate about this and i was like oh it's probably the family aspect and like the optimism and it's nice so i thought that was good i like that a lot so we finally got the first bit of episode descriptions but not for episodes one of all three seasons. It's it's the crossover. We got episode descriptions for the crossover. Yeah. These came in and I texted Bryna in all caps. I was like, they're here. They're here. It's amazing. So the first one we got was for fire. Because remember, the crossover, they're going to switch it up a little bit. And fire starts it all. So it's fire, then med, then PD. So the Chicago Fire episode is entitled Going to War. And the description basically says, in the first part of a three-show, one-night crossover event, 51 is faced with a daunting challenge when an out-of-control blaze consumes a 15-story apartment complex, trapping victims on the top floors. Complicating the rapidly escalating situation, members soon discover that someone close to home may be one of the trapped victims. Obviously, we know who that is. Yeah, so that's one. Now, the titles as we go on get more and more, like, attention-grabbing. Okay, so the Chicago Med episode is called When to Let Go. That's not scary at all or foreboding. It's fine. Yeah, and so the med description is the one we just read. You know, um, there's an overflow of patients. Dr. Rhodes fights to save the life of one of Chicago Fire's own. And Dr. Halstead and his brother Jay struggle with their own personal battle. We already knew that. Then we get to the Chicago PD episode. And again, these titles are like totally not foreboding at all. This one's called Endings. Really? <laughs> and so basically it says, after discovering the true cause of the high-rise fire, intelligence races to find the man responsible. And for Halstead, it's personal. Bryna, please drop the theory you dropped last night in the text. Did Papa Halstead start this fire? Did Papa Halstead start this fire? Oh, man. Okay, we got to think about this because you sent that to me and I was like, I want to discuss this so badly, but we have to save it for recording. What motive would Papa Halstead have at, in what realm, like what motive would he have to start this fire? Well, I don't even know if it was like a motive, but what if it's one of those things where it's like survivor's guilt almost, like... He accidentally started it. It caused this huge thing. I mean, obviously, the whole building burns on fire. People get hurt. People die. Whatever. And he doesn't want to say anything because he doesn't want to go to jail and face whatever consequences he's going to have because he accidentally started this fire. So then he ends up hiding it, and then it comes out, and he runs and the whole thing. That was the first thing that popped in my head, but I could be completely wrong about that. 
if he starts the fire, we've already still, I mean, we, we all still, we still think he's going to die, right? I mean, that's the theory floating around. I don't know if that's true because I don't see them killing Stella off, but I could be wrong about all of this. Miranda's been on set. Let's just start with that. That was the first thing I looked at after we saw that picture. I was like, Miranda's been around, right? Yes, she has. True. Oh, God. Yeah. When you sent that, I was like, wait, what? I mean, what and else could Hall- it be? Andrew Hall said it's personal. Like, what else could it be? His dad dies in the fire. But the, not off that sentence, because it's talking about discovering the true cause of the high-rise fire. They f- race to find the man who's responsible, and for Hall said it's personal. But I yeah, guess but it, that that could be definitely either one of those. I guess that's for true. For sure, if his father dies in the fire, it would be personal to him to find that's who did true. it. That's true. That's true. That's true. I don't know. That was I read that and that was my first theory, but I again could be completely wrong. And that's going to be so crazy with intelligence in the condition that it's in right now cuz there's such a mess right now like who's going to be there for Jay? Jay's just going to fly off the handle and they're all going to be like, "We'd like to help you, but crazy shit is happening." Yeah, who knows. And then again, as we said last week, it just really sucks that we never got the Jay version of what happened with his father. And maybe we will a little bit in this episode, but not the way that we wanted. Because that's all complicated. and Man, Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. That crossover is going to be insane. Yeah. It's going to be good, I, though. Yeah. Again, like I've been saying every week, I want it, but I don't want it. I'm like, give it to me, but don't give it to me. <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to be nuts. So the last bit of news we got before we jump into the episode, and this was the only article to come out of One Chicago Day so far. This was from Matt Carter, and it's basically just a quick chat with Marina, and Marina just talks about Burgess and Ruzik's future. Bryna, have you read this article? Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot of news. I mean, especially because Marina kind of spoiled it on Twitter that the big episode for Burzik is going to be 603. Um, and for her, like her only like really important quote from this is that it's that question is apparently will be resolved very firmly in episode three about Burzik and Ruzek, you know, going to have more of a story. So six or three guys. That's a big episode. Give us Burzik or we riot. And by riot, I mean, we angrily tweet. <laughs> yes, give us Burzik. But yeah, that's about it on the news. As always, if you see any articles, any news that you want us to discuss, please send it to us. Email, tweet, tw- Twitter, Twitter, one glass of wine, y'all. Yeah, um, email, Twitter, Facebook, however you'd like to get it to us. But yes, that is it for the news. And I'm sure this is what happens basically is one Chicago day happens. And then for like the next six months, we're still talking about articles that are coming out. But Pretty yeah, much. so that's about that. So without further ado, I think it is time to jump into the episode, shall we? I'm ready. Yes, let's do this. Okay, we've broken down the ships into three categories. So we have romantic, familial, and friendships. And we're just going to kind of work right down the list. But these couples are not listed within these, like, they're not listed in any particular order. We're just going to, like, go for it. So we're going to start with the romantic ships. And how could we not start with Dossie, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. so Dossie. They had an adorable ride, like journey to get together, and then it ended the way it ended. 
And Tamara, on the shipping room, you had talked about Dossie's end and the way you presented it was kind of mind blowing to me because I was like, I never thought of it this way, that Gabby just straight up left. Like, I never really thought of it that way. Can you kind of paraphrase what you talked about on the shipping room in terms of Gabby and the way that Dossie ended? Um, oh, man, I wish I had been forewarned that I had to paraphrase myself. I... um I, Sorry. <laughs> I go from, we, you know, we like record these episodes and then I like black out. Um, and I, I don't a hundred percent remember, but I, I mean, I think my issue is that they like got married and like once you get married, like you can't just leave. And if you do leave, that actually doesn't mean that the relationship is over because you are married. So I just, the whole thing, like, that she didn't, like, have more of a conversation with him about it, just all of it rubbed me the wrong way. But I have to say that that I think that the character of Gabby kind of, I don't know if they did this on purpose because they knew that, that uh, Monica was leaving and so they wanted to create a situation where you were kind of frustrated with Dawson so it was easier for her to leave and you weren't like, but I love her. But I just felt like she made all of these decisions without without her husband. She just wanted to be a one-woman show even though she had this wonderful partner. And I'm not saying that these decisions are easy, but like – but she was being extraordinarily selfish. I mean, of course the man who loves her isn't going to be like, yeah, cool, let's risk your life to have a baby especially when they discovered how much you can love a baby that isn't yours, like biologically. So so I was just frustrated with her a lot that she didn't talk to Matt more, that she didn't, you know, commit to coming to conclusions together. Like, they haven't been married that long. Like, I just, I was just really disappointed in her and... And I thought the fact that she was just kind of like, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, I'll go to Puerto Rico, sure, no problem, without more of a discussion was just shitty. And I don't really understand where they're going to go from there, because unless, unless the season starts with like, you know, some sort of uh, exposition that um, they got divorced while she was away, or that like then Matt's hands are tied and like he can't be involved in any other kind of romantic relationship while she's away. So I don't, not that Matt needs a romantic storyline. I just feel, it feels like Jesse Spencer is going to get sort of stuck in this place where he can't move forward because they're still married and she's just gone. That's, Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point that you bring up that, you know, they're just going to kind of they could run the risk of kind of pigeonholing Matt into this place where he can't move. Because that was I mean, my next question off that when you were saying that, you know, he can't really run around and date people. Would he even want to? To me, that's going to take a long time before he gets to that point. Well, but but the thing is, it may take a really long time, but it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, when somebody passes away. You can't start the healing process until the funeral. Like the worst days are always like the limbo between when someone passes away and the funeral because like you can't begin the process of moving forward until you actually 
close the door. And so would Matt be able to date or want to date? Probably not for a while. But as long as she's sort of just away and their relationship is sort of ambiguous and they're still married, but like she's away, he can't even begin the process of moving forward. So I just, I don't get it. And I don't know if they're leaving the door open for her to come back. I mean, I have no idea. But but it just kind of seems shitty to me. Yeah, and I say, I'll agree with that. And by the way, I say all this as someone who isn't like such a big Dossie fan. And and I I maybe was in like seasons one and two, and I I think I was rooting for them to get together, but I just don't feel like their relationship was ever satisfying as a relationship. I felt like they were always having communication issues. I felt like she was always doing things that I thought were unfair to him. I just, once they were together, I, I just was never, like, really, they never really did it for me, personally, me. Yeah, and I think even with, like, the communication issues, I don't, again, we don't know when she Monica let them know that she wasn't going to renew her contract and, like, wasn't going to come back. But, like, you could even see, like, going back and, like, thinking about it, you can see, like, not that it's never been, I mean, the adult communication has always been their issue, but, like, especially mm-hmm. in season six, like, you could see it start to come in, like, all of their communication issues, especially, like, Bria, like, how many times did Dawson act with the Bria situation without letting Casey know? Correct. Like, right. she would all go to Severide, and then, you know, not tell Casey, but then Casey would be like, well, I, like, it doesn't matter what you do, just, like, tell me that you're gonna do it. So that always frustrated me. Um... But I think kind of like what Tamara was saying, and Gina and I have had this conversation before. I know Derek said, has said in like one of his Twitter Q&As that they're going to kind of, at least for the first little bit, let Casey kind of live in this ambiguous space in that relationship. Because, I mean, even in one of the promos, like we see Casey and Severide are having a conversation and Severide's like, have you heard from her? And he's like, and Casey's like, well, what do you mean? Like, via text? Or like, have I actually talked to her? And Severide's like, well, either. Um, so, but I think, I don't see how they can make it last for more than, like, half a season, a season at most. Because, like you said, tomorrow, like, they're going to get him stuck in this rut. And, like, they're not going to be able to move his sport story forward, um, whether it's romantic or not, like, they're just not going to be able to develop that character anymore until they get him out of this situation. But then again, it's like, if they get divorced, I know they've said that if Monica wants to come back at some point, they would bring her back, no problem. But then it's like, if Gabby gets divorced, then I guess she would, I mean, she could come, I don't know how she would come back. It, like, brings up all these other questions. Um, but I just, I agree. I don't see how they can prolong a divorce or some kind of like official separation in, unless they want to just keep Casey in this rut forever. I just, I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. The situation's kind of messy and by kind of it definitely is messy. But they were great in the beginning. They were good in like seasons one, two, three ish, but two was a good Dossie season. Two is a really good Dossie season. Okay, let's touch on some of their sweeter moments now that we've appropriately ripped them to shreds. Um, <laughs> so, you know, their first kiss was great. We've covered that episode, of course. 
Um, I recently rewatched the episode, I think it was called Lift Each Other Up, when Casey saved that kid, and then we found out that Gabby's parents were getting divorced, and they were just super cute with each other, and Matt was like, that's what we do, we lift each other up, and everybody was oh, like, yeah. Cassie! Yeah, that yeah was that's a, a good moment. episode. Their wedding was really good, um, I will say. Their wedding was very Dossie, and just like, that they were gonna get eloped, and then the firehouse show, like, it was a very good, especially for it happening in the 100th episode, it was just a very good, uplifting, heartwarming moment. Um, but, but yeah, their wedding not, was great. Not to be like, I swear, guys, I can be really positive, and but not to be like super negative and like rain on everyone's Dossie parade. But I actually was like, I I was in the minority about their wedding. But I that I I just felt that episode like, like getting married was this last desperate thing. Like, they had the opportunity early in the episode to kind of be like, we should get married. Like, let's do this. And they were kind of like, no. It was, Like, by the time they decided it, it felt like it was the last possible option for them. It just didn't feel like they came to this decision as something that they really, really wanted to do. It felt like they did it because they felt like they had to, which to me took, like, all of the romance out of it. And obviously, once it was happening, it felt right. Right. But, but... Like, it got brought up earlier in the episode, and they were like, no, let's not. And then it became about getting Louie instead of being about, like, loving each other and wanting to be married, which, I don't know, for me made it less special. I like the spontaneity of it, how they just did it based off a look. But, yeah, now that I think about it, I think the reason – didn't the reason they got married – it was so it would look better on the application when they tried to adopt Louie, right? Basically, yeah. 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 I forgot about that part. I don't know. I think it's hard to reconcile because, like, I understand where you're coming from. But then at the same time, like, especially reflecting back on PD's 100th episode and, like, kind of the lack of celebrating the show that we got. I mean, well, we didn't get any of it because it was a crossover. But I think... It's, like, hard to reconcile because, like, I agree with, like, in terms of the story part, like, it doesn't really make sense. Or they could have done it earlier. They could have done it three episodes earlier. They could have done it two episodes later, whatever. Um, But then it's, like, because it's the 100th episode and they were trying to celebrate the show and celebrate, you know, like I said, like, the upworm, the heartwarming, uplifting part of the show. Like, from that part, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's, like, an iconic moment. It felt good. I loved that moment. Um, and it, for that part, it was a great wedding. But then I do understand where you're coming from of it being like, well, like, they could have just got married the episode later or, you know, three episodes it before that or whatever. Been, I mean, I, if they wanted it to be the 100th episode, they could have made it the 100th episode and not have the reasoning be. Like, it just, it was so, even if it had been earlier and even if they had come to the conclusion earlier in the episode, it was just the fact that, like, they kind of were like, no, let's not get married because of this. And then... As the episode went on, it was getting clearer and clearer that it was going to be harder to get Louie. And so they were like, okay, 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 we'll get married. It was just – that was the way they chose to tell the story. They didn't have to. It didn't have to be the right. reason. It didn't have to be – and so I was – I just – I don't know. Like everyone – I remember everyone was freaking out on Twitter about their wedding. And then I watched the episode and I was like, mm, that didn't feel so romantic to me. And like the actual wedding was very sweet and of course – the whole firehouse showing up was was like one of those perfect moments that didn't make any sense because how the hell did they know to show up at that time? But that's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. like it was, you know, I knew, you know, I it's love, TV. Yeah, it's I one love, of those moments. 
ensemble shows when you get the opportunity to have the entire ensemble in a room together it doesn't happen that often and it's those are like really fun moments so I appreciated all that I just remember thinking like wow getting married like because it looks good on an on an application like just isn't the the stuff that like great love stories are made of and by the way maybe it was foreshadowing because like look at where we are now I was just about to make a (laughs) comment yeah that's a good point so man anyway that's that's that's, that seems like a very dossy way to get married too is not that it's like we planned our wedding we planned a special day it was like oh it's part of this business decision we're making that seems like a very dossy way to get married to be like it's gonna look good on an application because that's probably one of dossy's faults despite all their good qualities is that the job always seems to come first ish well yeah that's what broke them a couple times yeah and and it's what broke them for good it's so sad to say for good because gabby's kind of running away from the big issues and choosing to work instead yeah man yeah i mean ugh, that is what's so annoying about it it's like god you're having a disagreement and instead of working through it you literally just pieced out yeah yeah it makes me mad i know Anyway, I know. We can move on. Yes. <laughs> okay, so next on the list, we have Stellaride. We did touch on them briefly during the news, but we can touch on them again. Of course, I'm always down to talk Stellaride. I mean, I love them. Yes. I think they're fantastic. Yes, I love them. I think they're fantastic. Um, I think Stella it was is a character that was just developed really, really well. Like, I just mm-hmm. love the way from the time she showed up, the way they let her grow as a character. I, you know, I, I always wonder, like, did they know they wanted to put these two together or were they just kind of like, did they have a scene together and they were kind of blown away by the chemistry and, and decided that they needed to write for them? I don't know. But um, but they're great together and they work really well together as friends. But I think it needed to evolve into something more and I'm, I'm really excited to see where it comes from, where it, comes, where it goes. Um, and... And... Um, you know, Kelly's one of those characters that I just, it's nice to see him evolve into a person who can be in a successful relationship. So I'm yes, exci- preach. I'm excited, I'm excited <laughs> yeah. for him. And she really seems to get him and like know how to call him out on his shit. And so it, it doesn't feel like this relationship is going to be susceptible to the things that usually ruin Kelly's relationships. Like she's going to stop him from self-sabotaging before it gets to that point. One of the things that ruins Kelly's relationships are when the girls tend to die. Um, that's one issue. Um, Kelly himself seems to ruin relationships sometimes. But yeah, it seems like he's past all of that now. It seems like Stella has helped him grow up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to see how far we've seen him come just in a season. Because I remember I was re-listening to one of like, our old wish list episode that we did before the season last year. Because we're doing one next week. And, like, we were talking about how frustrated we were with the whole thing because there was, like, spoilers coming out that he was going to start his circle again about, like, his hookup with Hope and all this stuff. And it's just like, wow, like, that was the last season. He's come so far. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it took me a really long time to come around on Stellaride just because I was so hesitant um, to see. I was like, I don't know if he's really ready for this. You know, he said he is before, and then he's, like, kind of pushed away or, you know, closed off from like really opening up but with Stella it's just different 
it's just like you said, he knows it. Like she knows him so well, she's gonna call him out on his bullshit. She is like his romantic version of Shay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, I love that. It is great. I wonder yeah. what the season's gonna hold for Severide outside of the relationship, because. This is going to be the first season, hopefully, fingers crossed, where he's not sleeping with all of Chicago every other episode. So I wonder how we're going to see him evolve this season. You know, is he going to go for certain professional endeavors or, you know, what's he going to do? You know, I'm curious to see what the season's going to hold for him. Um, We did get one piece out of One Chicago Day. Didn't you see something, Bryna, about a high school buddy of Stella's coming back? Yeah, and I'm trying to remember where I read that. Uh, oh, no, that was not out of One Chicago Day. That was out of Upfront, I think. But yes. But that, yeah, I don't remember. I think they, like, they barely talked about it. That was, like, Miranda being like, oh, yeah, this is happening. And then a viewer's like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah. Like, there's, like, no details about it, but... We'll see. Okay, yeah, so the preliminary scoop is that a male friend of Stella's from high school is going to be in Chicago at some point. But like you were saying, Tamar, they've built such a strong foundation now and they're such a strong couple that this is something that I look at and I'm like, they should be able to like ride this through with no problem. Totally. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I was about to say, I hope so. I hope it's not like drama just for the sake of drama, but... I know it's a television show, so we'll see. But they should be able to. Isn't it so weird that this is going to be the first season maybe ever where we – no, not ever. But this is going to be the first season in a long time where we have single Casey and in a relationship Kelly. Yeah. It's never quite happened that way. So that'll be interesting. Hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, so we've also got to touch on Linstead because, I mean, how could we not, right? Okay. Um, Tamar, where did you leave off with PD? Because I know you said you're not all the way caught up. Yeah. No, I think I missed a season at this point. I, like, I I, I haven't watched, like, I don't think I've watched any of PD without Sophia. Okay, but you, you've seen through when she leaves. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So we can definitely talk Linstead. All right. So I can't see these two now without texting Bryna in all caps and being like, he was going to propose. She left him on that damn bridge. It's just not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I miss them. I, I miss, miss them him. a lot. Me too. And I haven't watched his new relationship unfold. So I know there are people that are fans of it. Um, I obviously don't have an opinion, but I really liked the two of them. Linstead, I I just I, I first of all find him extraordinarily attractive, and I thought Lindsay was just a really great character, and I loved I loved their slow burn. I loved how long like it just took a while to happen, and I was really really rooting for it. And then when it did, I think that workplace romances often are some of the most successful because by nature. They spend time together not focusing on the romantic piece of their relationship. So you get an opportunity to see them together, but they're doing something, they're focused on something else. And so you end up getting these like small, teeny moments in the middle of a much larger context that has nothing to do with their relationship. So I love that. I loved getting to see them in the break room together, getting to see them on cases together and 
you kind of got a glimpse of how much they care about each other, but it wasn't about that. That wasn't what the scenes were about. And then we'd get maybe at the end of an episode, you know, some time of them in their apartment being intimate with each other, but it was, it just wasn't what the focus was. We got to see their relationship flourish in other ways. And I really appreciated that. So I was a big fan. I get that not everybody was, but I definitely was. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely big fans. Now, when you say his new relationship, do you mean his new partner? He had one little romantic relationship in season five, and it ended in disaster. No, I think I mean his new partner, Upton. Who's she? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Upton, yeah. yeah. And But I I was under the impression that people were shipping them, like wanting them to get together. Is that not accurate? Some people are, yeah. Some people are, and we actually did get a tweet from somebody about Upstead. And I'm trying to see if I can pull it up now because I'm not aboard the Upstead train. Brian, the last I knew you were not. I don't know if you've jumped on board since. No. I think, but I think, the, I mean, there's never ever been a hint of them. I think the closest you could say that they, and it wasn't even, even that close. It's more when one of them has gone undercover because they're partners, they've had to, you know, be the one that is there for the other. And I guess you could say that's the closest it ever got to them, like, having a moment. But there's never even really been, like, moments. At least for me personally, if other people find that they've had subtle moments, then, I, you know, that's great. But for me, there's never really been anything that I could take from it except for those moments when they're undercover and they have to be there for the other person. But, yeah, besides his, like, one, two-episode disaster relationship he hasn't had anything in season five he basically spiraled out of control in five oh not okay spiraled out of control is probably a little dramatic but you know what i was going for yeah so 501 he shot this little girl by accident like he shot through a door like he was shooting at an offender i did see that i watched that (laughs) yeah and so season five was kind of a clusterfuck for him and so this relationship he formed was kind of out of his own grief and it just blew up in his face when it was an undercover case it was a whole thing it was such a mess yeah upton and voight were like what the fuck are you doing and then he was like he told this girl he loved her and then we were like what the fuck are you doing and it was just a big fat mess it's so funny i actually forgot that i watched that premiere episode and then i think it was the end of that episode that voight tells him it was his bullet and he was like no 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 and yeah. I decided I decided that I didn't think I had the stomach to watch that unfold. I think that's actually why I haven't watched more episodes. I was thinking that I didn't watch it because Sophia Bush left, but now that I'm remembering, I think I just didn't have the stomach to watch Halstead deal with the fact that he killed a little girl. Season five was excellent, though. Like, they really raised the game. And I know that you, one okay. of your favorite characters is Atwater, right? I do love Atwater, yeah. Yeah, he gets multiple opportunities to shine in season five, and okay. he crushes it. You're yeah. selling. You're selling it. It's no. It's okay. it's it's very different, but it's really good. Okay. So so good. Yeah. Okay. So good. And I mean, even in five hundred one, there's that scene with Ruzik and Atwater where they talk about the 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 issue with like Ruzik pointed the gun at the guy, mm-hmm. and then he and Atwater have that conversation. Yes, yeah, so there's they really up the game in season five. It's so, very well done. yeah, it definitely was very good. Yeah. But we also got a message from Hallie about Linstead. And this is a theory that, or not theory, but this is an opinion that I actually share. And I kind of want to know what Tamara thinks here. So Hallie says, 
I don't think Aaron was truly in love with Jay. My theory really pans out when Abby comes into the picture. I truly think Aaron saw this as her out if Aaron thought living with Jay wasn't working out. Or maybe she thought she said, I love you too early. Abby was the perfect excuse to pull away. And I get it. Aaron was mad that Jay didn't tell her about Abby. Okay, I don't really agree with the Abby part of this. I don't think Abby was the catalyst, but the whole part that Aaron maybe wasn't truly in love with Jay, I definitely agree with. Thoughts? So I have this theory that, you know, it's really hard because when you really buy into a show, you, you're, you're experiencing it as if it's all real. And so you kind of have to just accept it for what it is. But then if you take yourself out of it for a second and you remember that there are writers crafting the season and crafting the show. And um, so I sometimes think that stories change course because of outside factors. And so I wonder if, you know, the character of Aaron was really in love with Jay at one point and then it became clear that Sophia was going to leave. And so the writers kind of, took it in a different direction and maybe the second half of the season or the the last quarter of the season or whatever it is, you felt a little bit of a difference in how Aaron felt towards Jay. But maybe that was really because the writers were writing it that way in anticipation for the fact that they knew Sophia was about to leave. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I don't know. I think early on she really did love him. I, I think that was, I mean, that was always my impression, but I think maybe the maybe I almost feel like sometimes the writers want to do over and they kind of want to say like wait we're going to double back on this and this isn't this didn't really happen the way we said it was happening and so by the end of the season you could almost look at it and say oh Aaron wasn't as in love with Jay as he was with her but if you go back and watch the earlier parts you'd kind of have a hard time buying that do you, am I making sense yeah no, you're making a ton of sense. Yeah. I definitely, I'd agree with that. I can't, I don't think you can say that at one, not at, like, at any point was she ever, like, she was definitely in love with Jay at one point. Whether on that bridge in the very last scene of season four was she in love with him, I have a hard time believing that just because I don't feel like if she was, I think if she was in love with him at that point, she couldn't have done what she did, or at least in the right. way that she did it. But I mean, like, you can't tell me that, like, in early season three or in the middle of season three that, like, they weren't in love. Like, I don't buy that either. So, yeah. Hmm. You know what gets me about the whole situation? You remember the first time Dossie broke up and Severide was like, Casey, you need to fight for her. We never saw that out of Aaron. Because Aaron wasn't the one who ended it, even though I really still think till this day Jay was just hitting the pause button and not ending it. But okay. We never saw that out of Erin where she was like, no, like, I pick you, I choose you, like, please come back. She just kind of was like, okay, and just sat back. Yeah. I forgot about that. That was like the end of season three when Jay was, like, packing his bag. No, that's at four. That's like. Yeah, towards the end of four. Right before she leaves when she finds out he's married and that whole thing happens. Oh. It was literally like a 24-hour Britney Spears in Vegas wedding. Right, which is why their whole, Jay's whole proposal thing was like kind of out of the blue because they were technically mm-hmm. on a break or what pause or whatever you want to call it. And then he's like, I'm going to propose. And we're all like, okay. 
sure. Um, but yeah, that's all like right before it. So again, I think okay. that could I didn't be really like also smushed together. Okay. Again, it's like when did so when did they find out Sophia was gonna leave? Nobody knows. But like again, like once you think about it with that information, it's like, well, were they trying to write themselves out of no, like her them knowing she's gonna leave? Like was that their whole plan the whole time? I don't know. Probably we'll not. never know. Yeah, that's my guess. It's I would. I not, feel but. without knowing without knowing anything about the insides, the inside working of how this all went down, I would say this was not their plan. They definitely saw Linstead going in a different direction, and only once they knew that they didn't have the Lynn part of Linstead did they did they write this story. But but and I you know and I think that that's really hard for writers when they have a certain plan and they have to like completely scrap it and come up with something else. So uh, it's hard to judge the merits of the storyline 100% because I think they were probably forced to write something that they were not intending. And so some of it doesn't jive with earlier earlier iterations of the story, I think, probably. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the writers have a hard job. That shit is hard that they do trying to guide these characters through, you know, the uh, the show and everything. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. So yeah. I'm with you there. So let's at least touch on some of Linstead's sweeter moments. Um, yeah. So 301, of course, is iconic. Um, the couch. What are there? The fucking couch. <laughs> the fucking couch. The fucking yes, couch. the couch is great. Oh, the couch. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe one day. Um, I mean, they have, like, all, I mean, I could list all these moments. Like, maybe one day. Um, I mean, their first first hookup. Like, it's all, they have a lot of good moments. When they were good, they were oh, so good. good. When they were good, they I were agree so with that, good. Yeah. Yes, I think they yes. were very good. Tomorrow, I'm looking at one of your podcast business cards on my board right now, actually, because it's, like, right in front of the, the uh, computer. <laughs> so, can you see that? I can. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I still have I love that. It. I so. really think that he's a very very attractive man oh yeah. totally that just leaves over yeah and so he has good. amazing blue eyes and he gives very good hugs but that I is believe, all i believe all <laughs> <of it. laughs> yeah 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 so oh i really do miss them although i mean it's it's interesting to wonder where they would be at now if she were still around because he would have gone through all the shit he went through in season five but would he have pushed Aaron away? Would they have gotten back together? I mean, we could speculate on that forever. Ha, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. crazy. I know. I miss them. Anyway. Miss them so much. So let's talk about the one PD ship that we still do have. Um, <laughs> kind of. We've got Berzik. Kind of. Sort of. In limbo since forever. Let's talk Berzik. Okay. Burgess and Ruzik. I love them. I love them too. And yes, they're the best. And I don't care what Marina says, they're ready to get back together. So, <laughs> yeah. Marina's the only one that's not there yet. I mean, look, Ruzik needed more time to evolve than Severide. I mean, he was a nightmare when they were together. <laughs> and I think that his relationship with Burgess was the first time ever in his life that he understood even on a small level what it was like to for someone to mean so much to you that you wanted to be a better person because of them but mm-hmm. even so he wasn't actually capable yet at that point of being that person 
So he like really needs time to grow and and like get to the point where he's ready. And again, I haven't watched this whole season, so I I don't know if you guys think he's ready now. I do. Yeah. Definitely ready. I think he's I think he's shown that maturity simply through the act of giving Burgess that space to date someone else. Yeah. Well, he also went through a lot in season five. Season five was rough for him. Yes, it was. But the fact that because when when Burgess was with Roman, which I know is not canon to Bryna. I wish I they were not that whatever. Philosophy. Yeah. I mean, I know. that was I know. a terrible, terrible, terrible move on their part. Horrible. <laughs> I don't know what they Horrible. were thinking that they did that. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But yeah, Ruzik acted out a little bit when Burgess and Roman were together. But fast forward to Burgess dating Matt Miller and Ruzik just backed off. He gave her space. He was like, okay, you met somebody. That's cool. Because in 501, we kind of get the impression that they've been hooking up on the DL. And Burgess just drops the bomb on him and is like, I met someone. And all of us are like, what? What? (laughs) Like, that's not okay. But then we finally do meet Matt Miller. And Ruzik's not all up in her business. Ruzik's respecting her space, backing off, kind of just working the case. And when Burgess does need a pick-me-up, he's there. That, to me, shows that he has developed the maturity to be with her. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with all that. Oh, Matt Miller. That, hmm. Oh, Matt Miller. That was a, that ended in a giant ball of flames. <laughs> it was, like, Which very pointless, good. but okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, tomorrow to give you the rundown, uh, Burgess had to choose between her relationship or the unit, and she chose the unit. It was great. Oh, man. Awesome. Matt Miller probably deserved better, but we really don't care. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm curious to see when they, like, because 603, I mean, Marina said it, like, 10 million times now. 603 is going to be, like, the Berzik episode. I I just, I'm curious to see what they do with it and how, like, if it's going to be, like, a moment or if it's going to mean, like, a start of a relationship. I don't know. I'll be very curious to see what happens in 603. Well, and Rick Eide had said that at the beginning of the season, there will be a couple within the unit who will be romantically involved. If it's right. not Berzik, I swear. Yeah. If Al's death does not drive them closer and make them realize, like, holy shit, life is short, I'm just going to, like, facepalm and be like, you know what, you two, if you want to be stupid and not be together, then go right ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I really hope that that's yeah. sort of the catalyst. I just, I need them to get back together. It's been, like, four seasons, seriously. It's been a long time. I know, I know. And in March, when we were at the convention, Marina had said that she felt like Ruzik wasn't ready. And I'm, I, I completely disagree. But, you know, Marina knows Burgess mm-hmm. better than we do. Yeah, well, Patty said he thought Ruzik was. So it's, like, very interesting. Because Patty told us that he Patty thought. Patty said a lot more than just Ruzik was ready. But it's, it's uh, not, not safe for work. Yeah. <laughs> the full rant. True. But, yeah, oh, Burzik. Yeah. Okay. So some of their sweetest moments. Their first "I love you." That was great. Yeah. Um, the, they, the first and only "I love you." Actually, they've not really had that many moments because they haven't. They were. They've been off screen for like three seasons or however many long. Like I mean, they. Yeah. There's not that many moments. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like, and I don't remember specific moments, but I feel like what I loved the best about about Ruzik in relation to. Um, to Burgess was when 
like something would happen where she would be in in some kind of danger and like you would just see like the absolute fear and just like terror that that he would feel that something that something was going to happen to her and I I remember I feel like she got shot when they were together in season two yeah in season two and like and he just completely like he was just so so upset and beside himself and like taking care of her and like just all of that I feel like yeah that's what leads to their first I love you and their only I love you but yeah I mean and you still see it even to this day like since their breakup I think right after they break up Burgess and Roman like crash their car Uh somehow yes yeah and even though they've broken up, Ruzik's like, oh, my God, are you okay? Like, let me look at you. Yeah. And Burgess is like, dude, I'm fine. But, I mean, you still see it. there. I remember there was a promo photo that dropped probably for 501, I think. But Burgess and Roman – or Burgess and Ruzik, sorry. Burgess and Ruzik. That's, like, a crucial error there. They're, like, going into some house, like, guns drawn. And Ruzik has his hand out just to kind of, like – protect her and shield her like it's subconscious with him that like his first instinct is always to protect Burgess and be like where is she yeah so yeah yeah. but I actually would I remember when they when they when she called off their engagement when he like what was the circumstances like there was dinner with his family or something and she he didn't invite like he I don't remember exactly what it is but it's something to do with like he clearly wasn't ready to like tell people about her or like introduce her to his dad I don't know there was something where like he lied about plans or this something and I remember actually being surprised by it like it seemed almost out of character for who Ruzik had been in the relationship to that point and then they they really kind of you know fleshed it out and 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 they the point they were trying to make was that Ruzik really wasn't ready but I remember think like being surprised because I felt mostly like he was ready and so it was sort of interesting to learn that he wasn't I think Ruzik doesn't really know what he got himself into when he met Burgess. I don't think he realized, like, this is not a fly-by-night relationship. Like, Burgess is probably the one. And I don't think he realizes the gravity of that. I think he does now. I think in the early days, he didn't really realize that because he's kind of a big kid. Right. That's Yeah. And he had had two prior engagements before that. So clearly he didn't get the grasp of that. Yeah. But I feel like now he's ready to roll. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was that, like, he had no intention of actually planning a wedding. Like, he proposed. And then, is that what happened? And then she kept trying to the get The push to, test like, that Roman actually, suggested. And he, oh, like, Roman. kept, and he just kept pushing it off and, like, didn't want to actually, like, do it. I forgot. Yeah, that he might was, be what it was. He was he was like obsessed with the idea of being engaged, but right. didn't want to do didn't any want to actually plan a wedding. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. sounds familiar. Okay. So, All right. Who's yeah. next? Hopefully, six oh three is good. Plouch is next. Platt and Mouch. A little crossover relationship here. Just yeah, goals. They're, they're just I mean, great. I don't have that much to say about them except they're yeah. really fantastic. They're just yeah. goals. They're so great. So great. And they're goofballs and they're hilarious and and I don't. Think- I like that when they're. Go ahead. I was just saying, I don't think it ever occurred to me, like, early on that Mouch could be, like, half of one of my favorite relationships in the whole universe, but but he is. He's, like, the best. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely the best. And I love that when they're together, it seems like Mouch brings out the fun side of Trudy. 
Because when we see Trudy and like it, at the twenty first, yeah. she's like strictly business and all business. But when she's with Mouch, she's laughing. She's you know having a great time. I really like yeah. how they balanced each other. Yeah, yeah, Trudy's probably one of the best characters on all three shows, and I appreciate them including incorporating her relationship with Mouch because it gives you the opportunity to see her as like a full, well rounded human being. And and I I love her at work, and I love how. Because she, she's like, she has a rough exterior, but she is, she is a really good person. And mm-hmm. even when she's being, you know, when she's giving out bad assignments or like the way she used to like torture Burgess, she also always was like looking out for her and had her best interest. And I just, I love, I love all of Trudy. Yeah, and we're starting to get a little glimpse into her past. I mean, we know that, you know, Antonio saved her life at some point. It's been briefly mentioned. But even Upstead's history, or not Upstead, Upton, you know, Upton became a cop because of the impact Platt had on her when she was little. Do you guys remember that little story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure if I do. Uh, I don't remember quite what had happened to Upton, but there she was a, she was a child and something had happened and she basically told Platt the story and she's like, you know, there was a cop that sat with me for hours and, you know, made sure I was okay and everything. And then she ends up explaining, she's like, you were that cop. And so Platt is pretty much the reason Upton became a police officer. Was that deleted scene though? I feel like that, wasn't that a deleted scene? That part was not. The part that was, was when she didn't know whether to have Ruzix back or not. Oh, okay. I knew there was a conversation between them. That was a deleted scene and I couldn't remember which one, but yes. Platt is a great character, and I love her. Platt's great. She's so great. Just, she, I, I would say that she's probably one of the most underrated characters in the One Chicago universe. Oh, by far. For sure. For sure. So we're going to touch on Chicago men now. We're going to kind of move on over to med and touch on two of our favorite chips. And by favorite, I mean favorite, but also sometimes very frustrating, but we still love them just the same. Eh, one okay. of them. One of them. One of them. Let's talk Manstead, shall we? Yeah, let's talk Manstead. Sure. <laughs> Tomorrow, <I'm> like, sure. <laughs> well, I don't watch Med. I watched maybe six or seven episodes of the first season. I really can't remember. It's possible I watched more. But Manstead is basically the reason I stopped watching because I found Will Halstead to be a, a just unwatchable character. And the way, the way that he, the way that he was like so entitled when it came to, to Manning and, and I don't, there was just something like toxic male that I just couldn't get past with him. And I, I found it so actually like alarming that people seemed to want to see him get together with her because I, I just thought that he was so not okay. And then he would barge into to operating rooms or or triage rooms or whatever it was and make horrible decisions and break rules and do all this and then we were supposed to rally behind him and I was like but why are we rallying behind him he just like totally did shit he shouldn't have done and he's not a great guy and I'm not sure he's a great doctor and I don't understand like why we're all so invested in him other than the fact that he's Jay's brother and they're telling me I'm supposed to be but I like could not take him as a character. So it's very interesting so, to me that that ship has sort of taken off and has become like one that people are really uh, into because I was 
really turned off to the point that I don't season, watch the show. Season one, Will, was a disaster. I won't lie. But, I, okay, so let me ask you this. Do you have any shows where, you know, you like a character just fine, but then knowing more about the actor kind of makes you like that character even more? Yeah, sure. Okay, so Will's gotten a lot better. Season one, Will, was awful. He was horrendous. I couldn't stand him either. Seasons two and three, Will, have been a lot better. Will has grown quite a bit. He's very less high horse, and he's 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 a lot, a lot better. I really like Will now. And plus, the actor who plays him, Nick Gelfis, is a total goofball. He's hysterically funny, super nice guy. And so that's kind of helped for me. I don't know about Bryna, but that's helped me like Will even more. He so, played a horrible character on Shameless, which also takes place in Chicago. Which is <laughs> not really relevant, but I did have, I did have him the actor playing a different character as a reference point. So that was also, maybe that was part of it. Although I don't think so. I think I just really thought the character of Will was poorly written in, in the first season, at least if it was a character that was supposed to garner sympathy, I, I felt none for him. Well, and I think it's funny. He definitely has gotten better. I agree. I think Will has definitely gotten better. Like seasons two or three, like I agree. Season one was a disaster. Two and three, he's gotten a lot better, but I think, it's almost reversed now. Like, I cannot stand 99% of the time Natalie. Like, she is the fucking worst. Oh, my God. I, like, like I, I just, that. like, I, I can't stand her. Like, half the times I'm like, Natalie, what are you doing? You're so judgy. Like, you're yelling at your patients because you don't agree with what they're doing. Like, I'm just like, what are you doing? Yeah, she made some bad decisions also. It's gotten ten times watching. worse, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I feel like I'm almost like, oh, well, like, I like, if we're talking about the Manstead relationship, I like the Will portion of it nine times out of ten better than I like the Natalie portion of it. Interesting. Um, but, I mean, they do have, like, they, they've had some good moments, and I'm really glad they didn't just, like, start out together, and that it took two whole seasons to get them to be together, but they still have some issues. And it's part of the reason why I don't know if I want them engaged yet. Spoiler alert, not that you probably really care, but they haven't. Mm -hmm. Will proposes at the end of season three, so that's kind of where we're left now is will Natalie say yes? Okay. I don't think they're ready yet. But they have – yeah. Yeah. They have a brief breakup in season three, and the reason is – and this will kind of show you how far Will has come. Natalie has a patient – who he's terminally ill and basically his family is trying to let him die just to end his suffering. And basically they find, or she, she kind of walks in when this family has, they've unhooked him from the monitors and everything. They basically try to like dupe the hospital staff to make it look like he's still alive, but really they're trying to end his life. Okay. And Natalie lets it happen. If I remember correctly. And Will is like, what are you doing? doing and doesn't will report her to goodwin Mm -hmm. yeah and so that's where they broke up for a second so that shows you how will has grown but they too had a very jay and aaron wait a minute 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 go back okay go ahead now you're you're telling me that he's grown because he ratted out his girlfriend no i'm saying he's grown because he's not just sitting 
or he's not just standing there like blatantly breaking the rules. He's not just sitting there like, let me hook my patient up to this IV, even though they've specifically said they don't want to be hooked up to it. Oh, is that what she did? That's one of the things she did in season three. Okay. Sorry, I misunderstood what was happening. I thought... I thought that Natalie was allowing them to kind of let a patient peacefully die, and Will was upset that that they weren't, like, intervening. That's not what you said. That was part of it. There were multiple scenarios in season three where Natalie just was like, fuck rules, and Will was like, what are you doing? Interesting. Okay. Because I, but I also, like, as a total side note, have, like, a soft spot for for people who are like ill and are like want to make the decision to end their lives sooner than medicine would necessarily allow. And, mm-hmm. um, I think there's like a kindness in allowing people to do such things though. It is not legal. Um, so I just was, I wanted to make sure I had the details correct on that. I mean, it just it just shows like season one will would have been like season one will would have been like let me help you do this and right, season right, three right, will right, was right, like right. no, so you know yeah but I'm I'm with what Brian was saying that you know Natalie was a tough pill to swallow this season. Interesting. But I'm not surprised. When they're, when I hear that. Like when they're together, they're really good. But when they're by themselves, they get a little frustrating. But I, right. I don't know how to reconcile that. I don't know. I think for me too. I think. Right now, where my other biggest problem with them is, is that a la Jay and Aaron at the end of season four, Will also kind of had the same thing where, like, they were kind of in limbo. Like, were they together? Were they not really together? Whatever. And then Will's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I want Mom's ring back. I want to propose to Natalie. And we're all like, huh? Like, are you really together? Are you not really together? Nobody knows. But, like, you think proposing is the best idea? Like... Where did that come from? So I'm just like... It's the Halstead Hail Mary. Right. And like, it's a joke. But like, at the same time, it's like, what? So I'm just like a little confused on like where that still came from. And like why he thought that was the best idea. But I don't know. I mean, it's kind of been thrown around that. I mean, she's probably going to say yes. Because apparently Tori was accidentally wearing a ring in some promo video they shot. So supposedly she might say yes but i don't know i don't know if i see it lasting that long before they get another breakup in but they're not gonna make it down the aisle if it was that easy it's not gonna happen they have one Mm. more breakup before they make it down the aisle it's my theory but that's it's the one chicago way yeah (laughs) yeah so that's manson we do like manson it's just there's the you know they have their moments they have their moments yeah so elsewhere in the hospital, we've also got, you call them Chexton, we call them sex toy, April and Ethan. Yeah. Sort, Still I not there yet. Why, April and Ethan. why would anyone call them anything other than sex toy? It's the most brilliant ship name of all time. <laughs> thank you. It really is. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Probably just to keep it like family friendly. But sex Probably because NBC better. can't call them sex toy. That too. Probably. That too. Yeah. Although, I mean, when April was having her moment with Severide, they called her Sexteride. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound dirty. Okay. But That's whatever. Funny. I, yeah. My, when I watched Chicago Med, Dr. Troy was my favorite character. I just loved him. They did a good job of developing him a little more in season three. Granted, it was kind of like pulling teeth. 
once they brought her sis, his once they brought his sister in, I feel like it got a lot better. But I still feel like three seasons later, and we're still chipping away at like yeah. Choi's well, rough exterior. He had a relationship in season one with a woman who worked at the VA. Yeah, and yeah. I remember being really frustrated watching because I like wanted to see more of that relationship develop, and I wanted to like you know just learn more about him. And there wasn't a lot of it. And that was actually one of my frustrations, too, was that I wanted to know more about him and that relationship. So. Yeah. And I feel like the relationship with his sister was interesting mm-hmm. in season three. Because it started off with Choi being like, let's let my sister in. Let's see what, you know, she needs. Let's let's let her back into my life. And April was like, what the hell? Or no, it started the other way around. I'm sorry. April was like, let him in, let her in, see what she needs, you know, let let her into the family, whatever. And Choi was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why would why would I do this? She's been nothing but trouble my whole life. By the end of the season, it had flipped. And Choi was the one who was like, she's my sister. I'm not leaving her. And April was like, it's me or her. So I don't mind them together. I mean, I know I'm more aboard that ship than Brian is, <laughs> but I did like the little clip of them in the new promo that dropped when like April's just kind of like putting her head or her head on your shoulder. I'm like, that's sweet. But yeah, I mean, I don't dislike them. I like them. I think they're, I think they're good together. I haven't had anything that sold me yet. Like none of their moments I've been like, wow, like that was, a. I mean, they've had, and I don't even remember what it was. Like, that's how terrible it is. It's like, I remember them having one good moment where I was like, okay, like, this was a good moment, but for the most part, they've just kind of been meh. Like, I don't think I would care if they broke up, but I'm also not, like, rooting for them to, like, stay together either. Like, I'm just meh. Like, I don't care. Like, I want them to yeah. both, like, I ca- I like them both as characters, so, like, I want them to be happy and I want them to have, like, romance in their lives, but, like, if it was with anyone else, I wouldn't care. If it's with each other, right. I don't care. Like, I'm just, like, meh. Like, I... I don't care. And I don't know if I ever will. Like, I don't know if there will ever be anything that would convert me into be like, oh, my God, yes. Like, this is the couple I need to root for. Like, this is where I'm throwing all my eggs into the basket. It, like, I don't know if there would ever be a moment that would, like, turn me. But never say never. Yeah. But We'll see what season four holds. They left off in a weird place. And in the promo photos for 401, Choi's just like awkwardly staring at her from across the hospital, like pining for her. So yeah. they might be in one of those really frustrating limbo spots. Mm. We'll see. But yes, sex toy. Mm. Let's move back to fire and let's talk about Bowden and Donna, another highly underrated ship. Yeah, they're great. Highly underrated. They're really great. So good. I wish we saw more of them. I agree. Uh, but Donna's just such a fierce character. They just. I also, I really appreciate the fact that, like, they haven't really done much to, like, threaten Bowdoin and Donna's relationship. It's mostly just been solid, and she provides such needed support for him, and she's there for him when he needs her, and they just, she just, she never doubts him when, you know, there's been, like, situations where his integrity has been called into question, or his loyalty, or his honesty, or any of those things, and she just always knows that... Whatever it is, he he's done the right thing, and and I just appreciate their relationship so much. Yeah, I, they're really really good together. A hundred percent agree, and I I agree. I like I wish. I mean, I understand. Like, since she's not actually in the firehouse, like I understand why we don't see 
more of her. But, I, man, I love Donna. I love Donna. Um, and we had had some comments from listeners about, I mean, everyone was like, Bowden and Donna, just like relationship goals. Um, and we had gotten an email from Allison who said, you know, I love that they're both strong-minded individuals, especially Donna. Like, while you could say the same for other couples in the One Chicago universe, like, the difference here is Wallace actually listens to Donna when she wants to knock some sense into her. You can see the love and respect they have for each other, but it's not a fairy tale like, rom-com sort of way. As a viewer, I believe the realness of their chemistry. Can we get more scenes with these two? And I agree with all of that. Yeah, they're fantastic. And Donna's totally fierce, like you were saying. Yeah. And they just have a good chemistry. I agree with Allison on that. Like, they just have, like, a... I believe them. Like, I believe that chemistry. Like, it seems so real and just so natural and so authentic to me. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're fantastic. Okay, so while we're still talking fire, we got to, like, address the uh, the elephant in the room. Let's talk Bertonio. Okay. Oh, boy. Wow. I mean, there's, yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about them. I hate them. Really? <laughs> like, why on. do you hate them? I'm just curious. Have, Why do you hate them? I, I, I can't explain it. They have skeeved me out from this, the moment they decided to put them together. I have never bought their relationship. I have always felt like it was this weird contrivance to, like, shove them together. From the, like, moment it started, it was, like, very focused on the sex piece. Like, they were just always going at it without – I didn't feel any – actual relationship underneath it although they then tried to kind of act like there was something very real there that I never felt I I don't know I just the whole thing to me felt forced and not good Hmm. I'd agree with that in the beginning like in season five of fire I'd agree I was kind of I was like whoa like this kind of came out of left field like, I need more here in order for me to believe it. But then I don't really know what changed. But something about it, maybe, I think in season six, there was, even though there was not that many scenes, which is kind of why I'm frustrated with them. But I don't know. I feel like it took them a long time to, like, build a chemistry with each other and, like, make it seem believable. But something about it changed in season six where I was like, I actually like this. Like, this is more believable to me. The chemistry I thought was there, but I agree. In season five, like they're awkward, like they had a really awkward start, and that was yeah, it was, was just rushed really, and like weird. I was really uncomfortable with them from the start, and I like could, I was never able to get over it. I, I don't. I was actually I was surprised when I realized that there was like a following, like of people who really wanted it to work out with them, because. I was like, I just, from the start, was sort of like, what's what's happening here? This doesn't feel right at all. I think for me, and I think part of the reason why I want them to work is, I mean, like I said, I found the chemistry. Like, I think they've gotten to that point, and they're comfortable, and I think they could work. But I think the biggest thing for me, too, is more, like, on an individual, like, character-wise. Like, I want Antonio, I like, I love Antonio so much, and I want him to find love, especially after just, like, all the shittiness that PD has put him through and... You know, he's, like, almost lost his kid. Like, he lost his wife. I mean, divorced his wife, whatever. Like, 
he's gone through so much. He went to justice, came back, whatever. Like, I just want him to be happy. And same with Brett. And if they think that they can make each other happy, then I'm okay with it. But I think, I don't know. And I, I don't know who else would make them. I mean, I don't like her with Cruz. So, like, I'd much rather her be with Antonio if that's the choice I'm going to be given. Interestingly enough, I don't mind her with Cruz. Even after, like, Ooh, the current that's a hot take. like the current season stuff? Because I didn't mind it early on, but all this, like, Cruz kind of has this weird, creepy crush on her still, like, three seasons later stuff that we got. I'm like, this is weird. Yeah, I'll give you that. But, like, back in the day, I, I don't know. I just really like Cruz. And, like, I, I don't agree. know I why. Do like Cruz, but, I don't know yeah. why they have, like, never allowed him to be happy. <laughs> in a relationship in like the entire like course of the show and I don't know like he seems to like Brett so I'm like I like Cruz and he likes Brett so that that would make him happy I would make me happy uh I don't know I, I, yeah I don't know just the Antonio thing like just never worked for me hmm I mean I like their chemistry I just wish that they would pick a direction and stick with it in terms of Bretonio. Like, don't go Berzik on us. Don't have them, you know, kiss at the end of one episode and then, like, hook up at the end of another and then just not address it. Are they going to be together or not? And the the last time we left off, Brett had a pregnancy scare and then told Gabby, like, hey, I want to be with him. Hasn't touched it since and won't touch it in the start of season seven. Can we just pick a direction and commit to it? I forgot Maybe. what happened at the end of season six that made her like she was like on her way to tell him. Then, but then he, something happened, and then she didn't. He run. They run into each other outside of Molly's, and he drops that he's like she's like gonna say something to him, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, like I'm going on my way to a blind date. Like somebody right, set me that's up." What it was. He was. Going and on then a date, she's right. like, "Oh yeah," and then like the next episode, she's like throwing everything that he ever gave her out of her locker, and we're all like, "Okay." He just said he was right. going on a blind date. Like, you didn't tell him your actual feelings. He doesn't know about the pregnancy scare. Like, I, I don't know. It was very frustrating. But then, yeah. Right. I don't know. I just wish, like you said, I understand from a production standpoint why they can't have Antonio on all the time or vice versa. Like, I get it. But, like, at the same time, I just wish they would pick a direction and stick with it. If they had had, like, a proper breakup and they weren't ever going to be together again, I could be okay with that. But, like, this limbo stuff is not cool either. Right. Right. So. And we're not going to see them yeah. for the first oh. half of the season, according to Derek. So, who knows? <sighs> I know. And even during one Chicago day, we had to, like, kind of scavenge for any hint of Bretonio. They took, like, I think um, Annie and Kara had taken a picture with somebody and we are yeah it was like Annie Kara and John and we like were kind of tempted to crop Annie out of it even though we didn't really want to um yeah so just kind of if they would just pick a direction and stick with it that would be great so I don't know um so next on the list we've got another Bowden and Donna-esque couple we're gonna talk Cindy and Herman because Cindy and Herman are fantastic they're just goals Cindy's another character they're just goals yeah Cindy's another character I wish we saw more of but I get it she's not in the firehouse they're wonderful yeah but yes and I wish I knew what these like major life changes were that Herman is going to have in the first part of season seven god I swear to god if they get divorced we're not cool with that 
They, it, they, no, no way. Don't do that. No I don't. Way. I don't know. I don't know what else is. Like, I don't know. But I love Cindy and Herman. I love Cindy. The greatest they're so great and i mean we've discussed it before but cindy usually comes around when herman has completely fucked up and so it's always funny it's always hilarious there was the episode last season where lee henry was like looking at porn or something and like cindy just like stormed into the firehouse oh it was so, so great yeah. yeah i like their Cindy's dynamic i appreciate it and i mean herman's such an old school kind of guy mm-hmm. but yet like he married this woman who's like fully capable of calling calling the shots like telling him how to like you know it's just I don't know there's something about their relationship that I find so refreshing even though like he has such old school ideas about how like to raise kids and how I don't know but then I just feel like she kind of keeps him in line and and it's a good balance yeah it's great it's great so yeah Cindy and Herman are great um Let's shift back to Med for just a second and touch briefly on Noah and Sarah. So, Noah, April's adorable little brother. Wait, is he adorable? Well, okay. (laughs) Here's the deal with Noah. Um, At the convention, we kind of just introduced ourselves and basically were like, now we're friends. And so, Roland's been on the podcast a couple times. He's sweet as can be. And so, we find him adorable just because he's a friend of the pod. Okay. So, because, again, remember, I only watched, like, the first half of season one or something. But mm-hmm. he was, he was like, always getting away with stuff. Like, my rec- my recollection is that she, April, was, like, always covering for him. And he was always fucking up. And she was the one that was busting her ass. And yet, he was the one that was, like, in medical school and... And he he sort of seemed to get all these opportunities and squander them and still, like, land on his feet. And she worked her ass off and kind of wasn't able to pursue the dreams that she wanted to. And I just remember thinking he was such a frustrating character. That's definitely what it was in season one. Again, like, now that we're at the – I mean, going into season four, like, it's definitely evolved and he's not so okay. much that anymore. Okay. But, I mean, he's still, like – they definitely still have their frustrations as brother and sister. And, like, they had a whole conversation. I don't remember what led to it, but kind of of the same thing of, like, April holding over Noah's head that he got to go to med school and she, like, helped pay for it and all that stuff. They still have a little bit of that tension every now and then, but it's definitely not the same level of frustration that he was in season one. And it's been good to see him come into his own in seasons two and three because, you know, he's a doctor now. He's got to make his own decisions. And it's been good to see him grow as he makes these decisions and kind of sticks to them and is like, nope, I'm the doctor. This is what we're going with. And so that's been really good to see. But Noah has been pining after Sarah since season two, right? Like the uh, the episode we covered last week, that was a season two episode, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, he's always had his eye on Sarah and Roland had described it to us as a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, although I, I don't think he's going to be finishing that marathon based on all of the uh, rumors and speculation we've seen. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Which is a shame because I think they would have been really good together. I don't think he'll be finishing that marathon either, but we have nobody has confirmed or denied that yet. So it's still up in the air, but they are cute. And if they ever got together, it'd be great. But I don't know if that'll happen. They would have been really good together. So, yeah, that's one med ship. Um, Let's cover the remaining med ships and then we'll end on a fire ship. Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. 
let's talk. I guess we can talk about Wrecker, which is Connor, and, Con- Connor, Connor and Ava. Speaking is hard. Um, I guess we can kind of cover Connor and Ava and Connor and Robin under the same umbrella, kind of. Yeah. Um, so Connor and Ava, God, they, I, no, I still haven't warmed up to them. I was going to say, like, maybe I've warmed up to Nope, I still haven't. Nope. No. And I don't know if they're no. ever, like, I don't know. There's just still something missing. Like, I think they have a good banter, but, like, there's just still something missing there for me. I mean, it didn't even start as banter. It just started as them being horrible to each other. Well, yeah, that too. But at the end of season three, it's definitely more of, like, a banter than, like, full-on hatred. I mean, is that the reason they got together? Just because they're the only people each other see throughout the day? Like, because they're always in the OR together? I don't know. I just, I, I'm not a fan of them together. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I... I could be turned, but I, I, it would have to take a lot for me to turn around on them. Um, yeah, but it's just going to be a matter of what does season four hold. Yeah, for sure. Um, Connor and Robin, though, I, I feel like I might be in the minority on this one. I like them together, and I feel like they were very underrated. You're in the minority. Well, you're, I don't agree with that opinion, so we're differing here. I don't know what the... I don't know what is the well. I know what the Twitter opinion is. People wanted Connor with Reese, but I never saw that happening. I don't know if there's like a majority never. opinion though on Connor and which person he should be with. But Twitter's opinion is he should be with Reese, and I never saw that. I don't. Twitter see has strong opinions on Connor's love life. What is the majority Very strong opinion? What is the majority? That's a good question, because I feel like the people who are, you know, all about Wrecker, like Connor and Ava, they are very strong in their opinions. But the Connor and Robin, Connor and Robin people like myself, like they're very strong in their opinions. And then the Connor and Reese people are like super in their opinions, too. So I don't know if there's a consensus. I think people are just very strong in their opinions. I think I need to learn more about Connor before I want like before I pick which person I thought he was best in and maybe it's someone we haven't even seen yet. I don't know, but I think I need more on Connor before I can like make a judgment on that personally. Yeah. I do appreciate the way you're describing how fans of ships on Twitter behave because it's like, yeah, they're all really strong about their opinions. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Everybody's very set in their way. You know, I mean to each their own. Um, but yeah, we did get a DM on Twitter from Miss D, and she said about Connor and Robin, you know, even though they had serious angst, the love for each other was very apparent and strong. Connor's been a mess ever since she left. I'll agree with that. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. He's definitely been a le- mess since she left. But I don't know. I also, again, didn't really care about Connor and Robin together. So like, eh. but I agree he's been a mess since she left. You bought that Porsche. Yeah. Mm, that God complex is in full swing. And oh, I hope he gets that God complex under control. Yeah. That's the one part of Connor that I'm like, can you not? Yeah, that's been since the beginning. Yeah, and that hasn't gone away. Yeah, that's still there. Unfortunately. Which is why I think I need him to be fleshed out a little bit more. Because, like, we know a little bit about his family background, but not really. But I feel like almost maybe it'll go away, or maybe to me it would go away. Or I'd be able to deal with it a little bit more if I learned more about him and his background. But we don't know that much in the grand scheme of things. So it's hard for me to, like, 
ignore the God complex or see where he's coming from with that. And so I hope Mm -hmm. one of the things I want on my wish list for season four is just like, I want to dive a little bit deeper into Connor and really just all the med characters in general. Um, But Connor, Mm -hmm. especially. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more to learn. So, okay, let's move to our last ship of the night. Um, We're going to go back to fire and we're going to talk about Otis and Lily. We love Otis and Lily. Yeah, me too. Yeah. They're great. Oh, they're so sweet together. They're so great. And we can touch on Katie a little bit too since Katie and Lily are like identical I know. Twins. By the way, I when I saw that you wrote Otis and Lily and then in parentheses and Katie, in my head I was like, I, I think I've like conflated them and like made them into one person in my head. I forgot <laughs> that Katie was someone else. And what happened with her? Kate, what was she, she was like Sever, she was like Severide's half sister or something or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then she got kidnapped, and then yeah, she and was so- like traumatized, and she left. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then okay. Lily comes in, and I mean, they were both great. I love them both. I loved Katie when she was with Otis. I thought that was a really great relationship. I really like Lily. Um, I mean, I wish we got to see a little bit more, but again, not a part of the firehouse, so we don't get to see that much of her. But, I mean, I also just really love Otis, so if he's happy, I'm happy, because I love Otis. Yeah, that Otis is that kind of character, where as long as he's happy, everybody else is happy. Yeah. Pretty much. That's good. Yeah, I really like them together. Yeah. Re- they're, they're really sweet, and Lily was just like, of course, she dropped everything and was at his side after he got shot, and they're really sweet together. More of them would be great in season seven. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan. I mean, in general, I, I like love all those kind of uh, supporting characters on, on Chicago Fire. Cruz and Herman and Otis. I love all of them. Yeah, yeah, I do too. They're so great. They're so great. We did get a DM from Mary M on Twitter about Otis and Lily. I want to call them Oda Lily, but I feel like Lotus is probably a way better ship name. But she says, you know, she's like, I'm totally in love with Otis and Lily. I want to see more and more of them. Sure, I love Dossie, but I really feel Otis deserves a little love and attention. 100%. We all love Dossie. Agreed. But they're gone. Yeah. So, no, I'm all about Otis and Lily. More of them would be fantastic in season seven because they're super sweet together. So, yeah. So I think that's about all we've got for tonight. Guys, any overall final thoughts on the various ships in One Chicago Land? Just that I I mean I I think that the high stakes of what what all the shows are about kind of lead to high stakes in relationships also, and I think mm-hmm. that makes for some like really sexy and fun relationships. Um but also I think sometimes the intensity makes them burn through things too quickly. So, yeah, that's my... Yeah. But And I mean, also what we didn't talk about, you know, when you're talking about Bretonio versus other ships is how challenging it becomes to have a ship that crosses over into two different shows. And that, you know, does yeah. that make it more challenging for a couple to kind of ha- have a happy ending just because there's a lot that complicates it. Yeah. Right. Well, and you typically only ever see it on one show. Like, we've only ever seen Bertonio on fire. And, like, I feel like with Plouch, we've only ever really seen Plouch on PD. Like, you only typically ever see them on, like, one show, even though they are a crossover ship. Yeah. So that that makes it tough. I mean, they've done a really good job with Matt, with Matt and Platt, but it's tough. Yeah. It's tough to have, like, yeah. a, a 
significant, serious relationship last for a long time when the two characters aren't actually on the same show. It's right. tough to have like meaningful yeah. moments and, and it's that continuity is difficult. Indeed. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's our episode for tonight. Tamara, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you yeah. so, so much. I, you've definitely convinced me to catch up on PD. I'll tell you that. Yes. Yay. I can give you the password to my Amazon account. I have the season. Oh, no, it's so. okay. I, I, I'll find it. Um, Sweet, yes. But thank you. I'm excited. Of yeah. course, of course. So, as always, listeners, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Send us an email. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Seriously, anything you want to talk to us about, talk to us. We love it. Uh, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. Tamara, where are all of the places that we can find you? I'm on Twitter. Both my individual account is at WriterTQB. So that's W-R-I-T-E-R-T-Q-B. And then the Shipping Room Podcast is at Shipping Room Pod. And we would love to hear from your listeners. And uh, if you guys are shipping fans, you can find any of our episodes. And we've covered shows from One Tree Hill to Beverly Hills 90210 to The Good Place. Um, So check us out. Send us your thoughts. We're always looking to chat. Fantastic, yes. And if you haven't listened to The Shipping Room yet, please go do that. Okay, it's our awesome. most recent episode yeah. is about uh, the new the new series of rom-coms released as original films on Netflix. Yes, so I just started listening to it. It's, oh, I have a lot of feelings. I love them so much. I've only seen To All the Boys I've Loved before. I haven't seen the others. Um, do I even need to watch Sierra Burgess's Loser? I mean, no. I thought it was very, very bad. But we actually recorded the episode before we watched Sierra Burgess, so that's going to be in a follow-up episode. But um, but I did write I did write a review of it for Telltale TV, and I thought it was bad. It's, yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, I was actually more excited for that one just because the trailer made it look really good, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, but to all the boys I love before is great. The other ones I thought yeah. were pretty great, too, but yeah, Sierra Burgess is yeah. definitely at the bottom of, like, the core bottom, four, bottom, I'd say. Bottom, Agreed. Yeah. Noted. Well, Noted. thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. I really had a good time. Of course, tomorrow, and you'll come back for part two, I would right? Love we gotta to. wrap up the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, that'll be great. So yeah, um, next week, guys, we're going to run down our wish list for the new season. Please send us your wish list, however you want to do that. And yeah, so everyone have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.